occasionally you have the opportunity to just mention, talk about somebody that really has kind of more meaning in your life than you could ever really put into words. And I think it was about 19 years ago, almost, almost to the day. Can you remember when you were, went to Kenya? It was 94, I can't remember what month it was, but it was summer because it was actually sunny in England. Um, and Dr. Rand came through with Pastor Norm and uh, Dr. Curtis and a couple of others, I can't remember. I think it maybe it was just the three of you. And we had the privilege to host him and Dr. Curtis in our home. And little did we know that that would be the beginning of covenant. You know, eternal friendship and relationship. And I can't really say any more than to say that this family has become our family since we lived here. You know, they're just incredible, incredible people. Every year they've opened up their home to us on Christmas Eve. That's our, our kind of, you know, absolutely sacred, sacred thing to do. And lots and lots of other times throughout the year. And Rand has just has been an amazing friend in my life and an amazing brother and just an incredible example of somebody that if I was to describe who he is in the law, just he is a circumstance overcomer. You know, whatever is going on in his life that would be of a challenge to him and just the things that, that they have, as a family, we all know they've been walking through over the past few months with, with Laurie's uh, dad specifically, but mum and dad and family, and, and Rand's family as well, Rand's uh, parents as well. Um, you would never know. You would never know what they're going through because they are always so focused on what is the Lord saying and doing in the middle of all of this. And I personally, Annie and I, have just so benefited from their steadfastness and just who they are in the Lord. So it's just really such a joy to be able to welcome you guys here today. All of you, Braden, Mackie, um, Madison, get a name right, and Cole, Issa. Um, where's Gray? I don't know where is. He's, he's obviously doing MC stuff, but he was with us a couple of weeks ago. So Rand, just come and be who you are. We love you. We appreciate you. We're so pleased that you're here with us. Give him a good hand. Good morning. What an absolute privilege for us to be here. Um, we love it. Um, worship was just amazing. And it's so, um, I don't know, meaningful. I don't know. I just, I love being here. And uh, on behalf of the youngers, um, I'm an elder too, so... Um, on behalf of uh, Christ Church, I'm so proud of you guys. Um, I'm going to get all the emotion out of the way so I can. But it, it really is meaningful to me that you guys have taken the Lord's heart and uh, expressed it in such a way. As I'm getting older, I can't go to a wedding without crying. You know, it's like I walk in, you know, it's like, it's crazy. <laughs> um, 
you guys are doing very well. And uh, as I was uh, standing in worship, it was just, I just was uh, mindful of the way that God is expressing his heart through you guys. And uh, I am very proud. Father's very proud. And uh, once we get going here, um, hopefully I can share some ways that we can really work together to uh, advance his kingdom. So I want to affirm you uh, just in all that you're doing and the way that you are demonstrating community. uh, Fantastic. I love that. It's rich to use an overused word. Let's pray. Father, we, we come to you on this Sunday morning, joining together as your body, that we would be your representatives here on earth. And this morning, as we are, our focus is you, we just pray that you would be pleased with the conversation that takes place this morning. We thank you for the way that you have joined us in worship. Holy Spirit, thanks for uh, singing through us and rejoicing over Father and Son. So Lord, we just commit this time to you and we say thank you. Thank you for who you are and thank you for what you're making us in your name. Amen. Okay, I'm getting myself together. Well, I have, you know, I, I don't think I'm that good of a preacher, okay? And and there's been a lot more opportunities to, to speak, and so I've had to make some choices. I don't want to be a better preacher, okay? I want to be a better communicator. So hopefully this morning I'm going to communicate in a way that is effective and uh, I do really well when I get feedback, okay? So, you know. So conceptually, I think what I'm going to share this morning is not going to be new to anyone. Uh, it's not like, whoa, that blows my mind. Uh, I never thought of that before. But the application and uh, the approach that I want to come at you with is something that I hope will definitely bring revelation. And it's going to say, okay, I knew that all along, but I never thought of it in that way. Okay? And I think that's very important. I grew up in the church, and if there's ever been anything that's been increasingly important in my life. It is that the Word of God, God's kingdom, Christianity, the church would make sense in life. Okay? To put it a different way, I don't want to just come to church, do my two hours, and then go out and nothing applies. And and I've noticed this in myself as a father with in, you know, older and older kids, it is paramount that faith can translate into action. You know, for all of you that are involved in Christ Church Academy, it's like we're trying to raise reformers, history makers, world changers. What's that look like? Is that just talk? You know, and, and so that's where I, I've been going. in in recent years, is that I don't want to just spout off the words if there's no context and meaning in in life. And this whole concept of real life being out there, 
That really bothers me. Okay? Because if, if this faith that we believe and so, um, are so vocal about right now, if that's not, um, if it doesn't work with our life, I guess the value is brought into question. It's our ticket to heaven, praise God. But if you've got a revelation of the kingdom of God, you, you have to ask these questions. And so I'm going to explore some of this this morning. And uh, what I've asked is three people to come up and share. Okay, and I just, I called them on the phone. I talked to them. I said, you know, and it was in the context of these thoughts that I asked them, okay? And I asked them, what is the biggest challenge as a person of faith that you deal with at work? Okay, it's kind of where I'm wanting to go today. And work is everyday life. I mean, if I had to, I was trying to come up with, you know, I I knew a couple months ago I was speaking, and it's like most everything I came up with would interest about 30% of you, and the rest would be boring. It's like, oh, man, you know, check check him out, you know, just check him off. Uh, You know, so what's common? Where can we all come together and really relate, okay? Work and life. Okay, so let's let's go from after the picnic at Rhododendron Park. I've been to Rhododendron Park once. Remember, Lori? The Hammonds and the Youngers dressed up all in white, and we had a uh, croquet tournament. It was very, it looked English. I mean, it was, you know, and uh, I don't remember who won, but we we're going to have the trophy and everything, and we did. Of course, we did. I was trying to be humble. But it's um, from Sunday afternoon through Saturday night, we all have a life. And my challenge this morning is how do we pierce the membrane where spirit, where what we do here penetrates the rest of life? So I want to explore that. I want to give some very practical ways uh, I mean, I mean, very practical. I'm going to give you a piece of paper at the end, okay? And so, um, so we're going to talk about that. So I'm going to have uh, Todd, if you want to come up first. And I've said, take three minutes just to share the biggest challenge you have as a person of faith at work. You know, I think we've bought into a lot of the grayness. You know, just we're, we're in the culture. And that's the challenge of being in it but not of it. Because do we still see the black and white? Um, you know, and in life, I'm not sure if it's more complicated, um, but it gets to the point where I think we just, we get a, a confused and we're able to accept certain things is okay where my mom and dad wouldn't have, you know, and, um, that's a challenge as well. So hopefully we've kind of come together here and, um, I hope you can relate to what these people have shared. Um, we see this war. And in the Bible, we see it, uh, Galatians 5, I think 17, where it talks about the flesh sets its desires against the spirit. And it talks about this, this battle between the two. Uh, Paul talks about in other places, he talks about the things I want to do, I know are right, I don't do them. You know, and the things I'm not supposed to do, I find myself doing. That, that's what it looks like. Okay, that's, that's current day Bible talk, okay? 
He's like, I'm at work. I know I should be doing stuff. And I don't do it. My flesh rises up. Call it pride. Call it whatever it is. But it's like, I don't engage in a way that I should. And that's where being spirit-led, Lauren mentioned that. We, we, we really have got to spend some time. What does that look like? Because, you know, Lauren talked about leading people. When you lead people, you're setting yourself up for all kinds of accusation, and you've got to toe the line and, you know, all of those things. And it's like, how do I do that? And yet, I'm still an effective witness. Because when the bottom line, (laughs) when we're standing before the Lord, it's like, was I faithful to do what you asked me to do? Are there people in hell? Because I should have said something. I mean, there's that burden, you know? And so... This isn't a a talk on how to be politically correct in the workplace at all. These are things that we really need to wrestle with because it's so important that we are able to be ambassadors of Christ, to represent Him in a way that is attractive, in a way that begins to answer people's questions, is is someone that's there when people are hurting. Okay? I'm going to talk about some of that stuff. Um... To use a little bit different analogy, how many have ever done a YouTube video or watched a YouTube video? Has anybody not watched a YouTube video? I was taking care of a guy. So for those of you that don't know me, um, I'm an elder at Christ Church of uh, Kirkland, and uh, but I work most days in an emergency room. So that's a lot of my examples come from that. I was, I was taking care of a guy, 97 years old, and I said, well, you can Google this. And, I get, and he's like, what? <laughs> well, something like, oh, he had like, diverticulitis. And what, what should I eat, doc? I said, well, if you just Google diverticulitis and diet, it'll do a whole list of things. Well, if I had a computer, it's like, oh, okay. So I went out and I printed off a bunch of stuff and gave it to him. But most of us, okay, know what computers are. Um. And the analogy came to me. You know how when you want to play it, you put that little triangle that's pointing that way or that way, depending on which way you're facing me. Um, it's play, right? And those two little bars are pause, right? I think a lot of us live life. Here's a question you have to answer. What's my play and what's my pause? Okay? Because a lot of us come here and we push play for two hours Here comes, hopefully, 11.30, pause. We live the rest of life on pause. Come next Sunday morning, play. Okay? That's the real me. Some of you relate just opposite. Okay? It's like, okay, I'm on. I'm playing. All of a sudden, come to Sunday morning, pause. (laughs) Okay? You do church, and then you play again, and we're off to the races. Okay? I think we live life like that. Well, to put it a different way, life right here, right now is a whole lot different than 24, 36 hours from now, isn't it? Okay, it looks different, and it needs to. I mean, the goals are somewhat different. I mean, we're here to worship together. I'm not apologizing for that, but I think it's something that we have to look at. How can we increasingly push play in a paused world? Okay, that's my title, by the way. Pushing play in a paused world. Because I think that's important that we... I think we live, I don't know if guilt's the right word, but less than in that 
we're not living life to the fullest. And in some way, we're paused. And what's really frustrating is we push play, push play, you know how it, it's loading or whatever, you know, and it's like, it stops, it stops. We get frustrated with that, and it's like, you know what, and, and you go on to the next one or whatever. Um, I think we all relate to that frustration of wanting to play, but stuck in pause. And so that's, that's part of, I don't know, just another way of mowing the grass, a different way to, to kind of get at what I'm, where I'm wanting to go. My win for today, if I had a goal, would be that we would begin to consider how does real life take on the, some of the aspects of our Sunday morning worship. That's a complicated question, isn't it? How can you create an atmosphere in your everyday life which you will glor- in which you will glorify God and demonstrate His love to those around you, not in a religious way, but in a very practical, real-life way? Like I said, I've been in the church all my life. I've heard all kinds of things like um, you need to have a really big Bible and put it on your desk. That way people will know you're a Christian. And it works, okay? People know you're a Christian. Does that make you any more approachable? I don't Go talk to the guy with the Bible on his desk, you know? And I think there's all kinds of ways that when we approach this question, we, we, we try to do it in a very religious way. This is tough to take notes on, isn't it? <laughs> I'll, I'll, if i got points, I'll tell you and you can write them down. These are all just really kind of ruminations, considerations that I think we approach things in a very religious way when we really need to be approaching things from God's heart, His love for people. And when I look at that and when I look at people, His love flows out of me. I have the wonderful opportunity of every day engaging 20 new people that are in crisis. And I can remember it was about 15 years ago. I was up in Mount Vernon. I worked at Skagit Valley Hospital at the time. I was in room 10, and I was taking care of the broken arm. And I realized that bed 10 was a broken arm. There was no person attached to it. And it scared me to the core. And I said, God, give me a heart for people. And... Because I realize that if I'm just going to be taking care of heart attacks and taking care of belly pains and taking care of broken arms and eye injuries, that I will, I will not be effective. I will not be Christ-like in the least bit. And that's something that really... And I remember, he downloaded into me a heart for people. I've always liked people. Okay, then I've always been likable and all of those things, and you liked me. But from that time forward, people, I love, I mean, there's just, there's something. And I can go into the the mangiest drunk with maggots on and and absolutely love that person. And it's God-given. I mean, it's not that I I really, really love people. You know, there, there there was an impartation. And so every day I get about 20 opportunities to go into someone's room that's in crisis, that's in there in pain. I mean, all kind, I mean, people come to the emergency room for the most. I broke up with my boyfriend. 
you know, okay, you know, how can I help you? And yet I've learned what an awesome opportunity to be in someone's life. People ask me what I do and, you know, what I love. I'm about to trip myself. Yeah, I'm going to trip myself. Uh, I'm able to step into people's lives in a crisis and walk them through it. And I cannot, for me, I cannot think of a more wonderful job, calling, it definitely is that for me, than to be able to do that. And in your calling, there is a very similar, it may not be, you know, what I'm doing, but there is something that God wants to download into you that allows you to become effective in a way. Drunk people love me. People that have had, just, there was an 87-year-old guy. I had the nicest nerfs in the world, and I cannot repeat what this old guy was calling her. You know, and as I, I came up to him, and I just, I just stood there. And he said, now there's a guy I like. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this is, I mean, you know, if you knew, I mean, you know, this is the person that's going to, you know, change your diaper. And, uh, but the, the, there is an aspect of the love of Christ that I've, I've learned to put forward. They did a study. And uh, in this study, they gave people little clickers, or whatever it was. And in the emergency room, they said, when the doctor walks in the room, when you've made up your mind what you think of that doctor, push, push the button. And so they had all these things. If it was going to be two minutes, or if it was going to be 12 minutes, or if it was... You know how long it took? Seven seconds. Seven seconds people made up their mind. And that just went across emergency medicine, you know, as far as, you know, you've got seven seconds to make a first impression, you know. <laughs> There's people, my partners, really struggle with that. They walk in the room and they fumble and it's like, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, what's your problem? You know, and it's like, all oh, this person's on the defensive and it's, anyway. I'm talking about a way that we're able to engage people, okay? And that only comes when the Lord downloads whatever that it is into your life. For me, it was a love and a compassion for people that I can have the privilege of meeting them at their point of need. Every day I meet drug seekers, okay? I meet their needs. doesn't mean giving them drugs. I meet their real needs, okay? And that is just a fantastic opportunity. So that's my win, is that if we can somehow begin to um, consider what is it every other day of the week that I can do, okay? If you're at home with the kids, it's summer. What's your win for the day? How do you want to engage your kids, okay? Where, where do you want to go? Let's go swimming. Let's, talk. let's see the neighbor kids. Or let's do, you know, it begins to enlarge your idea of what this Christianity thing is, Okay? Because all of a sudden, it's something that I need to be sharing. Okay. I'm used to getting out of 12, guys, so I'm, oh, i got lots of time. Okay, I've got nothing on this side and only that much on that side, so we're, and I'm halfway down. I want to talk about some of the ways that we can bring our desire for God's ways, which we seek on Sunday morning, into our everyday work world. Okay. Number one, excellence. If you write things down, number one, excellence. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. 
It dawned on me this morning that I could bring my iPad, but I, I didn't know. Is there a password in here? Do I know it? So I thought I'm going to have to. So I brought a real Bible. Not that it's any more valuable. Colossians 3.23. Philippians, here we go. Colossians 3.23. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. When you go to work, are you serving your boss? Absolutely. Talks about just a little later about slaves serve your masters. But you're serving the Lord. And if you can go to work with an idea of today, I am going to work out what God has called me to do with excellence. Do it heartily. Do it with excellence as unto the Lord. How do I do things better? There's something about being a great employee or employer that um, begins to set you apart and gives you a voice. Quickly, there was a story of, you know, Chick-fil-A, and there was this uh, other competitor that was on the market, Boston Market. Ever heard of it? And uh, their goal was to make a billion dollars, and people at Chick-fil-A were just freaked out because it was a very similar market to what they had. So they had a board meeting. How do we get bigger? How do we get bigger? We want to get bigger fast, fast. And all of a sudden, Truett Cathy, is that his name? CEO. He's a guy that shuts down Chick-fil-A on Sundays because he believes in a day of rest. Um, he began banging the table. Everybody stopped. And he says, we will not do bigger. He says, if we concentrate on doing it better, people will demand that we become bigger. And so all of their efforts, you know, those all of a sudden those aha moments, and they realize, okay, we need to work on the quality here, not just making more stores. It was interesting because that was it the next year. It was Boston Market's goal to make a billion dollars. That was the same year they went bankrupt. It was the same year that Chick-fil-A made a billion dollars. But I think this whole aspect of better, what can you do as Christ's ambassador to make work, to do work with excellence? And as I've asked myself that question, I began doing more things as far as certifications and, and taking more uh, continuing education. And I'm on the Quality Improvement Committee. And there's ways to express yourself. Instead of looking at all these charts and picking out the wrong stuff, uh, I had an opportunity. I'm just giving examples. Is uh, For July 4th, there was this ophthalmologist that came in. And there was uh, a number of eye injuries. And... She came in and just spent hours there. And I said, why don't we send her? So we sent her a, a gift card to Daniel's Broiler and uh, a thank you and all of that because people don't get recognized. You know, There's things like that that we can do while at work that begin to set us apart as excellent employees for most of us. Uh, but we begin to add value to where we're working, and that begins to set the stage and set up a foundation for people looking towards us in a very positive way, okay? It's not that we're demanding a stage to, to spout the gospel, but we're beginning to form a foundation that allows, there, there's a respect, there is, and, and in a common ground, okay? 
because all of a sudden there, there are uh, ears, their, their eyes are watching us from the get-go, but all of a sudden their ears begin to open and they begin to listen to what we're saying. I have nurses all the time that said, you know how your kids are going to the, and I said, how do you know? I mean, like, you follow me, my wife on Facebook? You know, I mean, it's like, I don't know, but they, they, they're listening. And I think that's, that's something that we have to be aware of. But I think the first place is not to come with the aspect of, do you know Jesus loves you? But to demonstrate that I've got something in here. And it, it not only does it make me a happier person, but it affects how I work. So excellence, I think, is so important. Thou shalt let the, love the Lord. So you're doing it as unto the Lord. Thou shalt let the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. At work, are you giving yourself to the Lord with respect to your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Your mind, are you developing those aspects that you need to develop that will enable you to be a better, better worker? Is this inspirational at all? <laughs> Number two. Here's one that I, I love. It's going to be challenging for y'all. Demonstrate compassion. This has to do with the relationships, people at work. Lori and I have been on a journey the past, a focus the past three years of Jesus, knowing the person of Jesus, going through the Gospels, getting into his personality. What would Jesus do, really? And as we've asked those questions, I've had to redefine my idea of Christ-likeness. Because Christ-likeness, I for so long, I had so gotten so narrow and narrow and justified it by rules and regulations and you have to act this way. And as I began to read Jesus and I, about Jesus in the Gospels and I began to see how kids ran to him, the prostitutes came up to him, the taxpayer. I mean, there was something attractive about Christ. I mean, the only people that didn't like him were the People sitting in these chairs. <laughs> you know? I mean, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those are the guys that had issues. You know? Which is one thing to acknowledge, but to ask the question, is there an attractiveness about me? Do I repel and attract like Christ would? Is there a Christ-likeness? And I would challenge you to go through the Gospels and, and just read more and more about Jesus and who he is. As, as you know, at Christ Church Kirkland, our, our theme is Jesus. Whenever I have a theme, I take it upon myself to really develop that in me uh, with and apart from the Sunday morning service. Because, you know, and, and Lori and I were just excited because we've been two years into just really going after Jesus. And, um, and so we, uh, uh, this year, I have just been so focused. Jesus, what are you trying to do in me where I can become more Christ-like? And that's where this, Paul mentioned the circumstances of life. When you interpret things through that grid, there's not the victimization. There's the Lord, what is it? I want it. I don't want to go through this again. But I, I do want to get out of it what you have for me. How will, how will they know we're Christians? By our love, right? I think, do people see your love? People out there. Can we, work, I want to apply this to work because I think we excuse all these things away from work. I'm trying to take, like I said, these, these thoughts, these principles, and apply them to an everyday situation. 
And that's where things get sticky and messy. Okay? What does love look like at work? Well, let's read it. We always, 1 Corinthians 13. We always you know, think about husbands and wives and, and all of that, and it sure does apply. But um, I read this in the context of where I work. It applies just, just the same. How do I apply love at work? 1 Corinthians 13. It's sure quicker on the iPad, isn't it? Think about this in the concept now of being at work. Okay? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. There's a lot for application at work there. We need to be people that are love, lovely, loving. When that... I mean, there's definitely a spiritual dimension to this. And as the love of God begins to emanate from you, you don't have to worry about witnessing. There is an attraction. Um, Hardly a day goes by that I don't have someone asking me a question from a coworker about something, one of their kids, one of their... And to be able to share principles... And to be able to do that freely. I mean, it's not like I'm volunteering information. They're drawing it out of me. And, and it's because they, they sense caring. And I think we need to be those people that love. Love each other. Love each other. Love each other work-wise, too. I think that's so important. Again, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Read that again in the context of, uh, of, of work. Number, so that was number two, demonstrate compassion. That has to do with relationships. Number three, and this plays really well, guys. Allow the fruit of the Spirit to be expressed through you. This is, I mean, the Bible says against these things, there's no law. Okay? So you, you know, talk about, Lauren was talking about how there's certain, you know, parameters that you got to stay within. There's no parameters against uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those play well on the big screen of work. I mean, when you, when you were someone that that's, you know, that could go well on your, uh, your evaluation. It's a great exercise. One summer, a couple summers ago, we had the kids concentrate on one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit and just to consider life in that. For some of it was joy, too serious. You know, some of it's self-control. He's not here, so we won't pick on him. 
But let me say this. He's become one of the most self-controlled kids. I mean, he, he is spirit-led and, and controlled, and it's amazing how, how Grayson is becoming a, quite a godly man. As parents, isn't it amazing how, how much you want your kids to get this? As kids, isn't it amazing how badly this has to work? I mean, we see all kinds of people, a generation wanting to jettison their faith because this doesn't work for them. This is so important. So with my kids being the ages they are, it is, um, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at, making sure that there is a, a translation. We look at all the translations of the Bible. There is a translation of the kingdom of God that translates into our everyday life. And we need to be preoccupied with that. We say our Christian walk takes up so much of our, our time. Does it? If we come to church and have half hour of devotional time each day, well, we're up to about 2.4% of our time, okay? So much of us are on play for 2.4% of our life. And the other 97 point whatever are on pause. That's where the next generation is getting disillusioned with faith. It's because so much is just, I'm pausing. There's got to be more to life. There is. There is, Okay. That's why I just love, joy, peace. All these, these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. I know you know this, but it's not all the fruits. You don't get to choose. It's the fruit. It's what comes out of you as the Holy Spirit becomes more and more evident of your life. But there are aspects that um, I think are highlighted, bold printed for us at certain times. Certain aspects at work that you need, you may need. Faithfulness, showing up on time. How's that? That'd be a good one. The joy. This is a joyless world. Getting close, ain't I? So how do we make this happen? So here's some of my secrets. And uh, I'm not proud of them. My wife will cringe when I share them. I was in residency in Michigan. And I had just small inkling on I needed God in my life and when you are a resident and they call a code blue which means somebody has stopped breathing their heart has stopped and you are the only one on at night and you're going to be there and you'll be the first and only one there to take care of this person you begin to realize you need God and I built this system into place where I needed prompts in my life to remind me of the Lord Every time I'd get in an elevator, because people die upstairs. <laughs> Remember that when you're sleeping tonight. No, I mean, in the hospital, you got to go up, right? So whenever I get into an elevator, I pray. And over three years, well, okay, it was that. And whenever I went to the bathroom was the other one, okay? <laughs> so I, I chose things that I do every day. And I do those every day. Um, and so whenever I do that, and so I can't go into a bathroom 
or an elevator without praying to this day. That was 20 years ago, okay? But that was a prompt that something, you know, and I'd push a button. And when I was, you know, I mean, there was just a, Lord, help me, you know, with this person. I mean, I was just scared. Can't spiritualize it at all. I was scared. And what am I going to do? Is this person going to die because I did something wrong? And, you know, I needed God. And there was such a, a demonstration of wisdom and grace and enablement. And I may have gotten on that elevator by myself, but there was two of us getting off, okay? And, and, and I went and I was able to operate in the wisdom and the discernment that I needed to, um, to operate, to, to function in a way that um, was successful, okay? And it was something in that that allowed me to get it as far as I need God in me to function in a way that allows me not, I mean, yeah, I can, I mean, there's all kinds of guys that get on the elevator and get off and they save the person's life. But as far as I'm concerned, if I'm going to be effective as a Christian and there's those other, it's not just saving people's lives, it's knowing that second and third question to ask. They come in for a sprained ankle, but it turns out they're suicidal. How do you get there? Okay, and so um, it's so important that those prompts, what are those prompts in your life? Okay, and I just encourage you, as stupid, and I know that was, every time you go to the bathroom, pray. But I, I chose something that I do every day, and, and you can too. Please choose something different or we'll have all kinds of people in bathrooms. It, it works. Your life has come up Christendom has come up with prompts. What is the chief end of man? Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Okay? It's Westminster. That was in 1640s. That came in Austin, knows it today. Those daily prompts that I think are so important. Hey, yes, can you get in my bag? There's that brown box. What I want to do is give you something that, um, as we close, has this been helpful? Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I, I went to the copier and made some business cards. Don't worry, it's not me that's on them. I came up with this verse. Yeah, call me. Call me if you need me. <laughs> need stitches? I'm your guy. Galatians 5.25 Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I'm going to give you each a couple of these. And I want us to consider, this is just my part of giving you a little prompt. I want us to, guys, in your wallet, you know where that debit card goes? Put one of these cards right there. I put one there and I use it a lot. But every time I take out my debit card, I look and it's like, oh, yeah. Okay? Um, Somewhere in your car. If you're younger and it's not cool to have somebody hop in your car and see a Bible verse, put it, and I get that, I do, put put it on the mirror. What, Justin? (laughs) Grinning. Uh, The mirror in your bathroom. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it. Okay? Put it in a, if it, use it as a bookmark. It's somewhere that will prompt you to remember that. Since we are living by the Spirit, 
Let us, all, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. It's a New Living Translation. That's the one that you guys use. Another translation, NIV says, let's keep in step with the Lord. I like that one too. I think it's so important that we, um, we are mindful. It's hard to keep in step. Keep for you older ones. Remember, uh, it's a Gomer Pyle. And the opening, you know, they were walking like that. And Sarge, you know, he's going like this, you know, trying to keep in step. Does anybody remember that? Yeah. yeah. Those of you. Yeah, it's good, John. Golly. Um, but he has to be in close, in proximity and discerning, watching. Discerning is a spiritual word, isn't it? He's got to be watching Sergeant to know when, you know, how to adjust his walk. That's so much what we need to do. We're doing, we're at the right place, people. We're at the right place to where we need to be. We're just not in tune with what we need to be doing. And I think that's where we've really got to begin to um, choose to hear the Lord. He's wanting to speak. And He's so... That's, that's, that's my revelation recently, is that God isn't so much... He is interested in those that 2.4% part of my life that is here and in my quiet time. But He is just as interested in the other 90-some percent. That He cares about what I'm thinking, what I'm doing, what I'm, who I'm interacting with, and as much as I love being with you guys, His heart is also for those people that walk into my emergency room every day. I mean, I, I laugh and say, those are my people. Every time we go by, some guy stand on the street corner, I always say, those are my people. Because <laughs> I, I, I just, there's such, I have such a love for those people. And God has a heart. He has such a heart. And so, may we be people. May we be people. Justin, you got the grin on your face. Come here. Come here, bud. <laughs> now you're laughing because you're eating something and you shouldn't be eating it, aren't you? <laughs> Pat, give, everybody gets a couple. Everybody a couple of those. May we be people that are so mindful of this being a, a walk of life that has answers. I'm, I'm old enough and I'm young enough at the same time to see that we are at risk of the gospel being... You know, we talk about being in a post-Christian era. You can't assume anything anymore. And even using the Bible as evidence that you need to be saved, that's a hard sell too. Because that's an internal <laughs> an internal argument, you know. It's valid. But people see that and they, they say, well, if I believe God, then I'll believe the Bible. But if I don't believe God, why would I believe the Bible, you know. And there has to be something in our lives, that experience that we go through that people cannot argue with the fruit of our lives that opens them up. The Spirit does His work. But the Spirit opens us up to see what we're doing that uh, allows us to be effective witnesses and ambassadors for Christ. Does that make sense? In closing, Lori reminded me of... Everybody get... You okay? 
Um, reminded me of uh, Charles Simpson at family camp a few years ago, and he talked about growing our crops in the barn. We're planting seed, and for so many years we've been planting our seed in the, uh, in the barn. I mean, there, there is that, that aspect to growing up our kids and, and that wisdom and purity and all of that, but we need to begin to sow seed outside the four walls. And to kind of put a perspective, as the elders of Christ Church United, we didn't send you here to play church. We sent you here because we knew that God had uniquely gifted you to build his church in this area. Eric and Lisa are, I'll say the man, they are the people to lead you. But... We all have to do our part in touching outside the world. He's uniquely placed you here so that you will be able to bring people and grow his body and demonstrate his love. It's not about getting more numbers in here. It's about showing compassion and introducing people to a Savior and to someone that is so caring and loving towards them that he wants to change their life and wants them to be able to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And, and, that's, and that's why I chose to speak about this this morning is because I think it's so important that we begin to adjust our focus. That church is not somewhere here. And as you guys are beginning your journey as, as a body, that there's, there's always an element of who can we get to bring in who, at work, okay? Who can we get? Who can we find? You'll continue to do the prayer walks in Lake City, and, and you should. But I think... I know there is an aspect where God has placed you at, at work, at, at your job. That there are people that you need to have an effect on. So I'm going to pray. And I just, that's, that's my heart, is that you will begin to consider your faith, consider God's love in a brand new way. Father, we thank you for what you're doing here. I thank you for the faithfulness of these people and for the way that they are expressing your heart in worship and just the, in community and just the, so many ways. I, I thank you, Lord, for, for the way that you have put these people together and made them one. And Lord, I just pray now that as they go forward, there would be that that focus and that dimension of sharing your love to a world that doesn't know you. Of sharing your, your heart, your love, your compassion. And I pray there would be grace, that there would be those promptings, those internal promptings of the Holy Spirit that go so much farther than a, a little business card. But that there would be those... Um, those opportunities to minister the gospel with grace and in love. I pray that you would anoint each person here, that you would give them the ability to both sense and the boldness to step into what you're calling them to do. Whether it be increasing excellence at work, 
demonstrating love and compassion for those around them, to be able to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, I pray that we would be a people increasingly that are known for their Christ-likeness. We so desperately want your heart and your mind. We would have the mind of Christ. Lord, give, I pray for a download of love for those around us. That we would love with the love of Christ. Lord, we love you. And we know in and of ourselves it's just kind of playing games. But we know in you it is life. May we never function outside of you. May we realize the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everyone, for letting us... for letting us come and speak and I hope it's not the last time. I, mean, I, I miss you guys. I mean, really, in the best way possible. I, you know, we look around at church in Kirkland and it's like, oh, I miss those guys. But there's a much higher desire and is that you would be effective. Hey, Paul. I don't know God save the Queen, so I can't say. Can't, can't get rid of me, can you? So who thinks that Rand has really given us the word of the Lord? Amen. And, um, you know, for those of us that have, have been here pretty regularly over the last few, few months, we'll, we'll remember that Pastor Eric did a series on worship, didn't he? Yeah? And the word avadar in Hebrew, as some of you might know, means worship, but it also means work. The same word means the same thing. And I think that what we heard this morning was just a huge encouragement to really see our work as our worship, yeah, our daily worship. You know, the testimonies that we heard from from Todd and and from uh, the others, Melissa and, and uh, Lauren over here. Gosh, I'm getting old, aren't I? <laughs> uh, wouldn't it be great if, if uh, you just feel as if the Lord has really spoken to you today about this opportunity to really bring him into your place of work. If you want prayer this morning, I'm sure I'm sure Rand would love to pray with you and some of us would love to pray with you as you as you take your Sunday into your Monday through to your Friday and Saturday. So just wanted to encourage you to let's just continue with that right now as as we move into our time of connection again here at the end.